Good morning, church. My name is Pastor Alfredo Peña, and I'm not just excited, but I am honored for the invitation today to come and worship with you and to bring today's message. You know, Pastor Sean and I met during my ordination services years back, and we just connected since then. He has been my brother um, since then, and, and, and truth be told, he has been a pastor to me. He has been a counselor. He has been a teacher. And I am so happy to see that it's finally happening because truth be told, he has been a bishop to me and to many others for a while now. So congratulations, Pastor Sean, on your designation as bishop. If you ask me, I'd say it's about time. <laughs> God bless you. But he's also been my friend and he's been a friend to my church and our congregation, New Beginnings Christian Community Church. And so I bring you greetings and I bring you much love from your sister church in San Antonio. The scripture reading for today is in the book of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. And the title of my sermon today is A Conflict Between Justice and God's Grace. Let us go to the word this morning in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for denarius for about the day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those he said, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. But when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. When those hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. When those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. But he answered and said to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go. But I wish to give this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So the last shall be first and the first last. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Most living and loving God, we thank you for today. And we ask, Holy One, that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of background. Today I'm going to preach on the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Jesus used parables to help us understand and connect to some very important principles. But ultimately, I think it was to help us understand that we as his followers should live differently. We should be different. We should live our lives differently. And I think this parable helps us understand that we cannot take our cues from the world. And we certainly cannot measure success by worldly standards. 
And this particular principle, um, parable, I'm sorry, is an important one. Because quite frankly, it goes against some worldly principles as it relates to justice and his grace. So contact, context matters. And so, so I want to set it up for you a little bit here. When we're looking at parables, first we need to understand why Jesus shared that story. What was Jesus trying to address? What question was he trying to answer? And so I believe this parable came as a response to an earlier question from Peter in chapter 19, verse 27. And the question, I believe, came about because the disciples witnessed a conversation between Jesus and the rich young ruler. And we find that in chapter 19, verse 16. And this is where the, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And so here Jesus answered, You follow the commandments. And the, the young man says, I got it. It's done. I've been doing that since I was born. What else? What else do I need to do? So then Jesus says, Well, then you need to sell all your possessions and you're given to the poor and you will find your treasures in heaven with me. Well, at this point, the young ruler says, um, well, Jesus, thank you for your time. And I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. And then Jesus says to his disciples, truly, I say to you, this is verse 23, chapter 19. Truly, I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So scripture says that the disciples were astonished. See, back then, they believed that if you were rich, if you were wealthy, then that means you get, you had God's favor. You know, the richer you were, the more blessed you were. So, so in their eyes, how, if this guy doesn't get in as blessed and as favored as he is, then who does? And then we see Peter here say, wait, but we're not like him. We gave everything up to follow Jesus. And, and so here in verse 27, you know, Peter um, said to him, to Jesus, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? And here is the question that I believe this parable is answering. What then will there be for us? And, and I, I am thinking that, that Jesus probably sensed something that concerned him about Peter's question, that, that, that he wanted to, to share this parable to kind of uh, help him understand that, that maybe uh, Peter was starting to look at the motivation behind the serving. We've, we've given everything up. We're not like him. So what is there for us? And church, let me tell you something. As you look at the book of Matthew and you look at all the different parables and you look at Peter's response in all these parables, and let me tell you, I think there are many more of us that can relate to Peter than any of the other characters in the stories. So I will also say this. I am not a teacher. I have not been gifted with the gift of teaching. But I am a student. Um... But I'm also going to be honest with you, and sometimes I'm not a very good student. Sometimes it takes me a little longer to, to grasp the, the principle. You know, I grew up Pentecostal, and, and, and I remember 
sitting in the pew and, and the pastor from the pulpit would be yelling and screaming and, and I'd be sitting there saying, I get it. I, I hear you. I, I hear you. But how do I do it? How, how do I stop doing what I'm not supposed to be doing? And how do I start doing what I'm supposed to be doing? I'm not doing this on purpose. I truly, truly want to change, but I don't know how to get there. So so I always think about that as, as I struggle with that. And I always think, what if there's somebody out there like me that needs that step-by-step ABC one, two, three um, style of preaching? And so, so that's the perspective that I tend to bring when I preach. I tend to bring the perspective of a student. And so if you are, you know, bright and overachiever, you'll have no problems grasping this. But again, I always think this, maybe there's somebody out there just like me. So today we will look at three life application points that will help us better understand this scripture and help us apply it to our daily walk. So I'm going to start with a question today. Why do we serve God? And and maybe I'm going to personalize it a little bit more. Why do you serve God? I think about this when I think of the the scripture in Job chapter 1 verse 9 when when Satan asked the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? In other words, do you think Job worships you for nothing? Or is it, um, and I like the way the message um, describes it in Job 1 verses 9 through 10. Satan retorted, so do you think Job does all that out of the sheer goodness of his heart? Why no one ever had it so good. You pamper him like a pet. Make sure nothing bad ever happens to him or his family or his possessions. Bless everything he does. He can't lose. So, so, so the question to us today is, <clears throat> Why do we worship God? Is it because he has blessed us? Is it because we, we love his promises that, that, you know, that, that our future in, involves a future full of hope? That we like the fact that his promise says, where I came that you may have life and have an abundance? <clears throat> or do we worship him because he's just good and he's worthy of our praises? And I think it is important today that we make that assessment and that we ask ourselves that question and that we answer that question honestly. What motivates us to serve God? You know, uh, I love on Facebook when I see postings that say, you know, God is good. You know, I got the promotion. God is good. I got the raise. God is good. She said, yes, God is good. And, and you know, and I hate to be the buzzkill. And, and so I don't usually post anything um, that I'm thinking. <clears throat> but I always think, would God be good if none of those things happen? I don't think I've ever seen a posting that says, today I lost my job. God is good. And so, so it goes back to the question, why do you serve God? What is our motivation to serve God? And here are some things that we must watch out for. And that's why this scripture today is so important. So here's the first life application point. Have you ever said, it's just not fair? 
You know, this is one of those things where I don't think anybody has to teach us that. If you see two toddlers and, and you see and you give a toy to one and you give two toys to the other, I promise you <clears throat> the one will notice that why did he get two and I only get one? That's not fair. Maybe they don't verbalize it at the time, but they know something is just not right. In fact, you might even see them try to go and take the toy from the other saying, I want two. You know, we see that. And if you, if you grew up with siblings, man, you, I promise you, you have used that term many times. It's just not fair. You know, why do they get to do that and I don't? Why do they get to stay out later than I do? Why do I have to do these chores and they don't? You know, I grew up in a very humble home and um, and I'm the youngest in my family. So for a while there, my bedroom was actually the living room. And I'm sure um, I thought, how come they get bedrooms and I don't? So when you grow, when you have siblings, you grow up with siblings, trust me, that is something that's um, very evident uh, for us. And again, it's interesting that no one really has to teach us. We just, it's just an instinct. We know how to recognize when something is just not fair in our eyes. And I love to tell you that we outgrow that, but we really don't because we just bring that into our adult life. We bring it into our professional lives. You know, I'm, can you relate when you say, you know, I've worked hard. I have worked long hours. I've been committed to this project. I've been committed to this uh, company and they get the promotion and I get overlooked. Well, wait a minute, you know, I, I have been here longer and, and they're the ones that are getting recognized. I was part of that team. And how come I wasn't recognized? And, and we, we learned to transfer that into our adulthood. Maybe we, not maybe, we actually do it in our personal lives as well. You know, we can say things like, you know, I, I work um, at, at my weight and, and I exercise and I eat well and I'm a vegan. And, and yet I still have to deal with these health issues. You know, we might say things like, you know, I, I am pretty and, 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 and she's not. And look at who she ended up with and look at who I ended up with. How is that fair? And we might even bring it into our spiritual lives. I have been a Christian for so many years. I have been faithful to and been strong in my faith for so many years. I have attended church for so long. I have tithes for so long. I have been a faithful member and I get overlooked or even more. I have done all these things, God, and you have not answered my prayers. And church, I think we, we've got to um, We've got to be honest about that. Have we ever said, not just, it's, it's just not fair, but have we ever said, God is not fair? Have you ever filed a complaint with God saying, it's just not fair? And let me tell you something. This is the good thing about watching these services from our own homes is that we, we are not around anybody else and we can be honest about our responses. Have you ever said, 
it's just not fair. Have you ever said, God, it's just not fair. And so today I'm going to tell you something that is really important. I don't want you to miss this. So, so, so come closer, put the pens down and listen. And, and now this statement might cause uh, me to, you never want to hear me preach again, but I think it's important that we get it right from the get-go. And so I'm here to tell you, we do not serve a God who is fair, especially by world standards. So, so there it is. We do not serve a God that is fair in your eyes or mine. It, it will not happen. But I will tell you that we do serve a God who is faithful. And church, it is really important that we understand that. And it's not a bad thing. And I think as we go through the scriptures, we will understand that a little bit better. But life application point number one, when you and I have said it's just not fair, the truth is you're right. You're right. But he is faithful. And by our standards, by our worldly standards, by the way we like to gauge things, you're right. You know, we live in a world where, you know, where it's about, you know, packing up our resume and putting degrees on our walls. We live in a world that, that you know, we expect to be, um, to receive a reward for our efforts. We expect to be compensated fairly with the, the performance that we, that we do. And so, so yes, by world standards, we live on these expectations. But the parable today is a reminder to us that we should not live by world standards. We should live by the way Jesus modeled it for us. And we serve a faithful God. Here's life application point number two. We must beware of the dangers of entitlement. Nothing messes a Christian more than when we get to a mindset of entitlement. See, when we get into that mindset, there are several things that happen. And one of them is we have unfounded expectations. Look at what happened in the parable. The, the, the first one, so, so a work day during that time was from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So, so the first group were the ones that he hired at 6 o'clock in the morning. By this time, they have been working all day long. And they agreed to work for one denarius, for uh, a day's worth of wages. So, so he you know, got a group at 6 o'clock in the morning, another one at 9 o'clock, another group at 12, another group at 3, and then the 5 o'clock. One hour, one hour before the end of the shift, one hour before the end of the workday. And so when the first group, the six o'clock crowd saw where the five o'clock crowd got paid, the ones that only worked one hour, they thought, oh, well, if they got that amount, then surely we will get more. It just makes sense if they only worked one hour. And here we, we worked hard. We have worked all day long. It's been hot. And it's been hard and we are stinky and thirsty and hot. So surely we will be getting more than that. And so that is not what the agreement was. That is not what the landowner had told them. That is not what they went into this doing and understanding. But when they saw what was happening, they started developing these 
expectations that they were going to get more. Completely unfounded. Those were not the agreement that was, that was not the agreement that was made. And so when we get to a sense of entitlement, we, we make those expectations ourselves. We expect God to give us things that God never promised he would give us. Now I get it. I get it. And, and I have been in that place where, where I feel that, that, you know, my efforts should match the blessing, the reward. And then we have to be careful when we get to a place where we feel like God owes us something or that God is shortchanging short us in some way. Because we cannot owe him anything when he has given us everything. When everything that we have is his, then how can we, how can he owe us anything? In fact, truth be told is we owe him. I get it, and, and I know it's, it's, it's difficult um, to grasp that, grasp that but, but it's important that today we understand that. This is the other thing that, that I think is, is, is just interesting. I have I heard a preacher say, it's almost demonic thinking. They weren't necessarily unhappy with what they got. <clears throat> they knew what they were going to get. It was when they saw what the others got that bothered them. In other words, how are you going to make them equal when I obviously worked harder? Wait a minute. I knew what I had agreed to, and I get that. But why are they getting the same? How can they possibly get the same when I have worked harder? And, in, and again, the problem was not what they got. They knew that. The problem was when they saw the other ones get the same amount. How can you make that person equal to me? And let me tell you something, we get a sense of privilege. Now we know how to recognize privilege and we do not like it one bit. And we, it is very evident in today's culture and we don't like it. <clears throat> but can I tell you that we have privilege in the churches today? And that, that many of us can step into that place and where the longer that we have been Christians, the longer our journey has been, the more effort we have put in, the more sacrifices we have made, the more we get to a place of privilege. And nothing threatens privilege in the church or anywhere else more than equality. And let me tell you something, church. I know, I know we don't like to hear it. But I believe that there is privilege in the church today and that many Christians um, subscribe to that mentality. You know, we're okay with God blessing you as long as he doesn't bless you more than me because obviously I should be blessed more. I'm okay with you being recognized as long as my I get recognized first. I'm okay with you leading that ministry as long as I was asked first and I turned it down. But but listen, you cannot be equal to me. And what happens when we get to that place of privilege is we want to change the rules. We see it today. But, but I'm not talking about what's happening in the world. I'm talking about what is happening in the churches today. 
And today we see we see some some churches that say, well, you know, we'll let you in, but don't just don't make us uncomfortable. We'll we'll take your talent, we'll take your gifts, we'll take your money, but behold, don't ask us to allow you to be part of a ministry. And so so we think that some kind of acceptance is equal to equality, and it's not. You know the difference between welcoming and affirming? Equality. The other thing that happens when we get into the sense of entitlement is the sin of comparison. And yes, I believe that is to be a sin. When we focus on others and forget about ourselves. When, when we look, and you know, let me tell you something that's interesting about comparison. I, I, I'm, I'm already might be in deep water, so I'm just going to continue. Right? The, the problem with comparison is that we tend to compare ourselves to the, the lower part of the spectrum, not the higher one. You know, we, we don't compare ourselves to the ones that, that might be higher in, in, in certain ways because that doesn't make us feel good. Right? I don't want to feel less than, so I'm not going to compare myself um, to these individuals. I'm going to compare myself to the ones that I see in the lower part of the spectrum because those make me feel better. Those make me feel like I am better. So we start comparing ourselves to the lower part of the spectrum and we say, well, now that's not fair. They should not get the same as me. I promise you, I don't think anyone has ever gone to HR and say, you know what? I shouldn't get paid this much. No, no, no. I think you should give um, more money to this other person. They, they deserve it more than I do. <laughs> you know, the reason salaries are, are confidential in the work area is because it would be a very unproductive place if we had access to that information because we compare ourselves. And when we do that, it really is an opportunity to kill the joy in our lives. We stop focusing on ourselves and start focusing on how others are being blessed. And this is a crazy thing too, church. In the parable, the what the, the five o'clock crowd got paid did not impact the six o'clock crowd one bit. Listen to me, this is, this is really important. It is not like the landowner said, well, to the six o'clock crowd, I'm going to have to cut your pay so that I can, uh, so that I'm able to pay them this. No, they got paid and what they got paid did not impact their pay at all. So, so think about that. When, when we see others being blessed, it honestly has nothing to do with us. Our own blessings come with our own names on it. The problem is that we start focusing on others and we, and we forget about how blessed we are. And you don't know what you're comparing yourselves to. You know, we don't know. We see the, the superficial Instagram um, part of it. But we don't see what's behind that. We don't know what's going on in their lives. We don't know what's behind the makeup. We don't know what's behind the fine clothes. We don't know where the nice car goes to at night. We don't know these things. And so we have to be careful who we compare ourselves to. And it doesn't make any sense. You know what? Here's something else. It doesn't even have to be better. Let me share with you something that there's a true story that just happened recently. I was, as we were um, having a discussion about the unemployment checks that have been going out and how they, um, 
you know, there were some people that were um, wondering if they were going to continue to get them or not. And, and this person that I know who has a good job, who has a good position, who has full benefits, it, it, you know, was considered essential, so it hadn't been affected at all by this pandemic. And he says, next pandemic, I'm going to choose to be unemployed and not be an essential worker so that I can get those easy $600 a week. And I am there astonished, like the scripture says. And I'm thinking, how can you covet when you're fully employed, when you have a great benefit package, how can you covet somebody's unemployment benefits? That makes no sense. But let me tell you something, it will never make sense because comparison, comparing ourselves with others does not make sense. But that's what happens when we start comparing ourselves. We lose sight of our own journey. We lose sight of our own uh, blessings. Here's another story um, that I read uh, about this pastor, and it it's, uh, applies to this. He says that one day he was driving on the road, and he saw somebody in his rearview mirror, and he, that person was, was driving, and it was kind of swerving, and, and he says it was, it was obvious that this person might be intoxicated or driving under the influence of something. And so he says, so I let him pass me. But the whole time I'm watching him and I'm thinking, my goodness, this guy is just being so reckless. <coughs> Excuse me. And my goodness, look at the guy, the way this guy is swerving. He's gonna end up killing somebody. And he says, I was so focused on his driving that I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. And I almost caused an accident and went off the road. And he says, and that's an important lesson for us today. Because the truth is, sometimes we get so focused on what others are doing that we lose our way. And we must, we must not be focused on others. You know, I read, uh, I read this and I thought it was really, really cool. It says, the antidote to jealousy is to just mind your own business. <laughs> you know, when I first read that, I, I, I chuckled because I thought, that is so true. If we just mind our own business, then that's the best antidote for jealousy. Here's the other thing that happens when we get into a sense of entitlement. We get to the idea that we can bargain with God. And here, let, let me tell you something, church. I'm guilty of that. Oh my goodness. You know, this is a transparent moment. And, and you know, I know that we create spaces where we have to be able to be honest. And so here's a transparent moment. I struggle with this part. I think that I can bargain with God. Somehow, sometimes, when we, when we start going through our spiritual resumes and when we say, I have been serving for so long, I have been participating for so long, I can tell you exactly how much money I have given to the church. And we think that when we look at all those things, that gives us some kind of leverage with God. We need to be careful when we think that we can do as these workers did to the landowner. When they saw his generosity and they didn't like it, they felt like they could go to him and say, we got to have a conversation here. And, and, and we're going to bargain because we deserve more. I 
Let me, let me, let me, let me ask you this. Does this sound familiar? Because this is what I have done. Lord, I promise you, I will do this and I will do this. And I'm even willing to do this, God. You know what? I'll even throw this one in there too. And all, all I ask, all I want is for you to answer this one just this one small little itty bitty prayer request. That's all, God. I am willing to do all these things. In fact, I've already done a lot of these things. All I need for you to do is this one. <laughs> that is bargaining. And let me tell you something. When he has given us everything that we have, when everything that we have, he has provided, then we do not have any leverage with God. So this message is important because we need to not get into that mindset. And I think Jesus recognized the potential that Peter had to go into, go down this road. And let me tell you, the message today for all of us is to be careful because there is a very good potential that we also go down this road, that we feel like God owes us something when we start comparing ourselves with others and when we think that we can bargain with God. Because let me tell you something, when we start feeling like um, like we, we have unfounded expectations, like we deserve these things, then, then the own landowner reminded them as God reminds us of his sovereignty. The landowner says, can I not do whatever I want to do with my money? And, and here we are reminded of God's sovereignty. When God says, I didn't have to do this. I didn't have to wake you up this morning. I didn't have to give you the, the job that you have. I didn't have to give you the children that you have. I didn't have to give you the spouse that you have. I didn't have to give you the blessings that you have. I chose to give them to you because I am God. And when we start comparing ourselves with others, you know, I, this is where God reminds us of his faithfulness. You're mad because I didn't give you things that I never promised I was going to give you. And when we think that we can bargain with God, he reminds us of his generosity. Of how generous he is with his grace. And when we have a problem with how he's blessing our brother and our sister, then we need to hear the words of God saying, why are you jealous of my generosity when I have been generous with you? And here's life application point number three. We must be grateful. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like the 6 a.m. crowd. Sometimes I feel like, you know, and, I, and let me tell you something, I haven't been a pastor very long. But sometimes, you know, we do get into this mindset of, you know, I do and I give and, and I have sacrificed and, and I have done this and I have done that. And, and you know, by now, you know, we, we should, I should be starting to see some of these things. But I also think that when I tend to do that, I forget that at one point I was that five o'clock crowd. At one point, I was the one that wasn't picked. I was the one that wasn't chosen. I was the one 
that wasn't wanted. I was the one that they couldn't see my worth. I was the one that they could not see my contribution. I was the one that was standing there thinking, this is the end. I, I want to do, I want to work. And, and no one wants to give me that opportunity in ministry. And let me tell you something, we have got to remember that many of us were that five o'clock crowd, that the churches didn't want us, that churches would not affirm us, that churches would not allow us to contribute in, in the ministries. And then we find a church and God brings us to a church that wants us, that, that sees our worth and affirms us, that see our value and allow us to contribute. And we need to remember how good that feels. And let me tell you, when we do that, then we can become grateful. I said at the beginning, we don't serve a God who is fair by world standards. <clears throat> but let me tell you something. I also know that I'm glad he's not fair. Because I really got, if I really got what I deserve, then I wouldn't be here today. When I think about being ungrateful, when I think about how I'm complaining, I have to remember that if I honestly got what I deserved, I either wouldn't be here today or I would be a miserable person. See, just from my own personal experience in my past, I heard so many people that were good people, people that loved me, and I heard them sometimes, many times intentionally. So the truth is I should have never found someone that would love me until death do us part. But yet I did. I have cheated so many people in my past that I would not be surprised if somebody that knew me from the past would say, do not trust him. And yet today, God has called me to pastor a church. I have gambled with my health and I have made some bad choices and some risky choices with my, with my health and with my body. And, and there is no reason that I should be alive today, but yet here I am. Healthier than I've ever been. So yeah, I'm glad he's not fair, but I'm glad he is generous with his love and his grace. The truth is, he didn't have to do it. Oh, oh, but I'm so glad he did. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. So I wanna, I wanna make you an invitation today. You know, I know that I spoke to several people this morning, today, and, and, I, and I don't know where you are, but I, I'm pretty sure that there are some of us out there who have felt like this has been unfair for a long time. In, in fact, we have become victims of that mentality for a long time. And so today, you're not here listening to this message by accident or coincidence. So today is a day that you can surrender that. <clears throat> And hear the words of the landowner as he told the, the, the six o'clock crowd who thought it was unfair and said, take 
what I've given you and go. To those of us that struggle with comparing ourselves today is the day that I, I tell you with all the love and, and all the understanding in my card to just stop comparing yourselves and mind your own business. And instead of looking at how God is blessing others, thank God for the way he's blessing you. And for those that feel that, that we can bargain with God, to those of us that, that somehow our ministries have become tasks and, and our opportunities to, to worship have become responsibilities, to you I tell you, today is a day that you, you are reminded of the joy of your salvation. Today is the day that we are invited to say he didn't have to do it, but I'm so glad he did. Let us pray. Well, living and loving God, we just thank you. We thank you. We thank you today, God, for, for this message, God, that is full of love, God, and is full of encouragement, God. And we thank you, God, for because you didn't have to do it, but oh, Jesus, I am so glad you did. We thank you, Father God, because today we know that you are delivering us, God, from, from that mentality of thinking that, that it is not fair, that we forget, God, that you are a faithful, God, and that yes, yes, you never said we were going to have everything we wanted, but your word tells us that your grace is sufficient. That yes, you never told us we would never have any problems, but your word does tell us that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And yes, you never said we we're not going to have bad days, but you also tell us that your blessings are renewed every morning. And so we thank you, God, because of your faithfulness. And because we, and we thank you, God, that because of your generosity and, and, and your, your love and your grace, God, you are more than fairer with us. Today, God, we thank you for delivering us, God, from the sin of comparison, God, and, and, and the, the mindset of, of privilege and, and entitlement. And we remember how blessed we are, God, to be in a place where we can worship you, to be in a place where we can worship you in our truth, that we can walk in our blessings, that we can enjoy them every day, God, and, and help us, God, rejoice when we see others being blessed. We thank you for this message. We honor you today. I thank you for the decisions that have been made today. And we claim all this is done in the most wonderful, in the most beautiful, in the most loving, in the most powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Church, it is our prayer that this message and this service has been a blessing to you. I invite you to visit our website, nb-ccc.org, and let us know how you are doing. Send us an email with your prayer request or, or a message uh, to, to let us know uh, how this uh, the services have been a blessing to you. It's also an opportunity for you to get information about our church, 
you know, we're excited about our virtual Bible study. We now have our, our virtual connection time at 6.30 every Wednesday, and then our Bible study at 7 o'clock. If you go to our calendar of events, go to Wednesdays, you'll see a link on how you're able to connect with us. And, and it's also an opportunity for you to go and give your love offering and your tithes, and, and we are excited about that. So today, it is my invitation to you to go and just enjoy the joy of your salvation. God bless you, and I will see you next week.